We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you need to do to find the next Zero RB superstar in your fantasy football league? What we're going to talk about today is what profiles goes into that and how can you pick out your own? There's a lot of excitement from the listeners this week, Sean, as the Zero RB list is ready to drop. It'll be coming out over the next couple of days up on rotorbase.com. And I know people are very intrigued and they'll have heard myself in you draft, you and Ben draft, you and the ship chasing team draft. And they'll have an idea of who some of those players might be. But this year, there is a lot of enticing options in those early rounds, all the way through kind of the fifth, sixth round. And then that makes people wonder maybe what is going to, how is that going to affect the zero RB targets for this season? So what we're going to do is talk about the profiles of the players and how Sean goes about who fits to be a candidate on that. And then I guess, how do you rank those candidates in order? So it's going to be a fun show. I'm looking forward to it. More of the, the theory-based part of it but sean i'm excited this week we have a lot going on myself and yourself will be drafting in the ffpc main event at two thousand dollar buy-in this friday those shows will then come out next week as podcasts so i'm excited to, to jump in there hopefully bring the whole thing down over there as well we're trying to win all the fantasy contests this year sean but they also have the ffpc a number of different formats we drafted last week in a show that would have come out this week in the Superflex format, I love that team. The more I've moved away from it, Sean, the more I've loved that team. I, I drafted a team solo over the weekend, and then I was comparing the two teams, and I'm like, this team I drafted solo is terrible. But it was just because the way that draft just fell, I think, pretty much perfectly for us. But you are giving away a draft slot with you over at the FFPC, and it is obviously to drop a written and review on your favorite podcast app for Stealing Bananas or Road of His Overtime. But Sean... There has been a lot of interest. The reviews have been incredible. So I don't know how we're going to get through and, and pick out these winners. It's going to be a lot of fun, but let the listeners know one more time as to, to how they can get involved and, and when are we closing this contest out? Yeah, so the reaction has been fantastic. And obviously when you set the contest up like this, you are probably going to get some decent reviews. But I appreciate so much what people have been writing and saying, the participation there. Basically, this is the way it works. If you want to win a draft with me in the Fantasy Pros version of the FFPC contest, that's the $350 entry with a $1 million grand prize. Leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Probably be selecting one for overtime, one for stealing bananas. And so you can obviously double your chances by getting in for both of those. You know, leave something that means something to you, right? An organic review that talks about your experience playing fantasy, listening to the show. You know, have fun with it, any of those kinds of things. Again, appreciate it so much. And especially if you have any interest in kind of writing about the team that we would draft during the season. So, you know, putting some short posts together for rotoviz.com itself, then I mean, especially I encourage you to get in there because, you know, definitely if it works out, this is not a requirement in any way, shape, or form. I don't want anybody to not enter and be nervous that they'd have to write something. But if you are interested, that would probably be a possibility. Make sure you get those ratings and reviews up. Column as we look back at, you know, kind of a weird preseason week two, where you have a lot of teams don't play any of their guys. You have a really weird situation where the Seahawks needlessly played JSN and get him hurt. You have a situation where some teams that maybe 
you know, are, are installing new offenses, having young quarterbacks. You, you, I mean, my preference would have been for Sam Howell to not play, right? Keep all of that, you know, very close to the vest. You know, don't spoil his ADP. Also, you know, don't give him a chance to have a bad game <laughs> that would, you know, put him in, you know, a worse situation going into week one. But he does play. He does play well. You know, we have to put it in context of these defenses. In many cases, they're not playing their guys. They're not doing the things they're going to do to you in a real NFL game. So I don't know that you look at that and say, oh, well, he let a couple touchdown drives. You know, we should be all guns blazing on, you know, picking him at any price. The the real questions are going to be answered once you get into the season and maybe not even then, right? I mean, you think about the first four or five weeks for Justin Fields last year where it looks like he's not going to make it as an NFL quarterback. And suddenly, you know, he's a first round super flex option because he runs for over a thousand yards. We want to be really careful about the conclusions we draw here. But, you know, it was kind of fun. You mentioned that super flex team that we drafted. It was a Justin Fields, Sam Howell team. I wouldn't be looking at the results for Sam Howell and saying, okay, well, now I'm on board. But if you're someone who believed in the prospect profile and you see the agility within the pocket. Now, there were the sacks, which people always point out as a real bugaboo for him. But you see the movement within the pocket and you see the ball come out of your his hand. And I mean, that's top 15 NFL quarterback stuff. Now, does that mean top 15 this year? It definitely doesn't. I mean, you're hoping that you're going to have some optimism that maybe that could happen. But there's just a real difference between a guy who got drafted where Daniel Jones got drafted and a guy who got drafted or Sam Howell fell to in terms of the different opportunities they get and how much they get to work through, there's no question in my mind that Sam Howell is better than Daniel Jones, but he will not get the same amount of rope to prove that. So again, that first month to six weeks is going to be a lot of pressure in there for the Washington Commanders. And also, Colm, I do have people ask from time to time, and I think this is a good question, like how much of our enthusiasm for the Commanders is based on Eric Bieniemy and having a new offense? And I guess that what I would say there is that I'm pretty skeptical of Bienemy himself in that, you know, one of the rumors which does seem like it's, I mean, people always talk about where there's smoke, there's fire. There's certainly plenty of situations where, you know, you get rumors and it's not actually smoke, it's nothing. But I do think that Kansas City wanted to move on from him. And so if that worries you, you want to factor it in, right? I mean, this was not a situation where Bienemy is, I mean, he does get a promotion, right? He's going to be the offensive guru for the commanders. He's going to get to call the plays. Those things weren't necessarily on the table in Kansas City, in part because they weren't that happy with him in that role, right? So it is a promotion of sorts. And yet it definitely was a case where the Chiefs wanted to get rid of this guy. If that concerns you, and it should, you, you do want to factor it into your evaluation a little bit. But what we're looking at here is that the offense itself, kind of separate from the coordinator, should be relatively positive for the pieces that they have. And then it's a bet on those pieces where we really like Sam Howell, at least again, compared to cost, right? I mean, you're not having to draft Sam Howell in the first 10 rounds. So you want to make sure that when you select him, that it makes sense tactically. But then also we like Terry McLaurin. We love Jahan Dotson. We like Curtis Samuel. You know, we're relatively high on Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. And so you put all of those pieces together and suddenly you have a pretty strong thesis for selecting those guys where they are going in drafts, which is different than saying, you know, we think these guys are going to necessarily be superstars. Again, the one player you kind of have to pay up for is Terry McLaurin, which is one of the reasons why he's maybe less of a target for us than the other guys. So just a little kind of note and thoughts on preseason because it, it is relatively pro high profile since the commanders are one of the few teams that really kind of let it all hang out in their preseason game there i, I was going to say sean you know you kind of jumped ahead of me there i was going to say we said last week well i kind of said that the preseason doesn't really matter it's just going to you know confirm your priors whether that's good or bad but i was going to say the only player that it does matter for is sam howell because he confirmed our priors <laughs> but uh and because you just you you do need him to not look terrible and so we at well, least passed that first hurdle. Yeah, and I, I think a big part of it is with Howell, there's other players around the league that people might say, you know, he's not that good or he may not be that good. I, I do think there's going to be a lot of people that if Howell does what we're expecting him to do, are going to be shocked because, you know, came and dropped in the draft, didn't really get that much of an opportunity last year. And I don't think, I think there's a big segment of the NFL community and the fantasy community that is thinking, this is just going to really flame out pretty quick. And they're probably surprised at this point that he's already won, won that starting job. But 
uh, I think that those positive signs there. There's other parts of those plays. You mentioned the sacks, even on one of the impressive completions that he escapes the pocket. You know, that is very, very close to actually being a sack. And then that is no longer a highlight play. It's a, a negative play, but exciting. The downside, Sean, to some of the preseason and the part that really does matter is the injury. So you mentioned um, the injury in Seattle for JSN. You mentioned Terry McLaurin there as well. He did pick up an injury. So there's there's players now starting to rack up these injuries, and that is always a really tough part as well as we move into the actual season. But part of the NFL is there's going to be injuries at all times. And unless you can <laughs> draft you know, one hour before the NFL season starts. That is always going to happen. And then I remember this story, Sean, because it's a bit unique, but the NFL season started in 2016, the day I got married. It was September the 10th, 2016. And the reason I remember that so much is Keenan Allen got injured on week one on like the second play. And I remember like, didn't check the NFL at all at that point during the day because of the wedding. But then I, it had happened to, to check in to see how things went and uh, those notifications uh, crushed me pretty quickly but I guess those bigger things to, to deal with that and <laughs> getting married but we are going to have a fun show we're going to get into it now with the zero RB element of it we didn't mention the Jonathan Taylor news with could he be traded will he be traded I don't think he will be traded I think it'll get worked out but the interesting part of that is we are recording this show by the time we release it News could have changed. He could be somewhere else. He may have. Colin, you're going to feel silly when, by the time listeners are listening to this, he's on the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, well, you know, that's. I think they'll not be able to pass up that CEH swap. I think the the Colts will go for that. You know, we're looking back here at the Colts. You know, they are the team that went all in for Trent Richardson as well. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll hold judgment until the 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 decision is finally made. But Sean, zero RB is the topic for this week. We are well. You know who's going to be on the list. I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence. The listeners are on the other side of the fence. But what we want to talk about is when we are drafting, we want to know. We talk a lot about the profiles to draft, whether that's late in drafts, whether that's in those early rounds, whether it's players who are going to look to be ascending. But the zero RB list for people who haven't checked it out in the past, I'm sure it's going to be the same this year. Sean generally runs for 15 names, and then there's a watch list after that be separated into a few parts as the countdown moves on i'm going to leave the floor open for you as to what way we want to attack this but what really goes into what we're trying to target to become on the list obviously you have the the price of the player you have the profile of the player what maybe they have done in the past or what we expect them to do in the future lots of things going into it and i guess the one question i'll wrinkle in there is is there a difference now with the popularity of underdog and half point PPR versus in the past with, you know, looking at solely PPR for, you know, how pass catch and running backs may get onto this list? Well, one of the things that we've seen is that if anything, underdog has played more like what you might expect from full PPR formats and that the wide receiver avalanches tend to push a lot of guys down. And so then, it's incredibly important to you know have the right names and sometimes that'll change at different points throughout the season you think about a couple years ago where i mean it was the case for our team for sure i believe it was also the case for connor's team that beat us you have a guy like rashad penny who was on the list and he had actually been cut from the vast majority of managed teams you think about the main event race for the big money he didn't really factor into that because He'd been released and locked. And so sometimes just not being able to release these guys is extremely valuable to you as you work through. The name that kind of pops out to me from last season, who was on the list and then factored into Pat's tournament winning team was Raheem Mostert there, where he actually doubles his career high in receptions in week 17 to obviously get in the lineup and help contribute to that two million dollar win so there are going to be a variety of things that we're looking for there as we work through you know what it means to have sort of asymmetrical upside and be a pick that really works for you in terms of winning the big money and we'll talk about it probably mostly from a redraft perspective but obviously having the right profile guys in these best ball drafts and you have a big chunk 
of BBM for drafts still to go. And so certainly relevant for that as well. I think the first question, Colin, that I had to answer this season is what was going to really count as a zero RB type of player in this new ADP environment? Because generally we've looked at guys, you know, certainly in round six, if not even in round five, as being, you know, kind of the borderline zero RB candidates, kind of soft zero RB plays. Obviously, if you have a wide receiver times four start, then you might be looking at a running back in round five. You know, preferably you would probably have a wide receiver times four start and a, an elite tight end before we start to really consider that as being like true zero RB. And again, I mean, you can go six, seven, eight, nine rounds before you select your first running back. The team that Blair and I drafted, uh, I think two years ago now that finished 31st in the main event didn't have a running back in the single digit rounds and so when you think about like pure zero rb or aggressive zero rb extreme zero rb i mean you can wait a long time and redraft that's one of the big differences in in best ball that historically and you can pull up our roster construction explorers for the different formats you can see that doesn't work as well so Again, we want to be thinking about, you know, what works the best. And one of the things that Colin, you and I have talked about a lot this season is that, you know, maybe pure zero RB isn't as strong a play if some of the wide receivers early are actually not the type of receivers you would want. And you're going to get a Brees Hall or a Ramondre Stevenson, you know, a Jonathan Taylor, perhaps I mean, that's going to be for the really risk seeking types of fantasy adventurers. But when you're going to get those types of profiles, then maybe selecting a running back in that range makes some sense. But when you're thinking about who are the zero RB candidates and how do we win leagues, I mean, you would still be targeting some guys with the real upside there. So whether or not you're actually playing a zero RB team or not, you want to hit on these profiles. But again, kind of thinking about the list, it's like, is round six even a viable way to look at it? Because we're talking about, you know, Javante Williams going at the five, six turn. We're talking about James Cook and J.K. Dobbins being in round six, for me, those are still just strong running back plays in and of themselves. I don't think that you have to like make any sort of case other than <laughs> those guys are undervalued. Why are they not going earlier? Now, I have made the case for those players on the site. So if anybody wants to you know, check out a little bit deeper dive than just me saying that guy is good, then you know that's there. Just on those guys, they all feel like players who last year, two years ago, they're all going in the third round, you know, third, fourth round play players. But the market has become kind of, we, we, we might say efficient, but in that situation, maybe they haven't. But in terms of where wide receivers are going versus running backs, I think there's a, a more efficient marketplace. But that is also pushing down players who in the past would have been drafted earlier. And it's the exact same player, but because they're going nine round six versus round three, they become much more attractive to draft. They do. And that also, I think, brings up an interesting point, or at least what I think is a compelling element to look at. And I covered this in the Apex Experts write-up for anybody who, again, wants to dive into it in a little bit more detail. But one of the things that we are seeing now is that these guys with the dead zone profiles are falling further. And I think that some people are then like, well, if they fall to that point, then you know, it's not the same calculus you can suddenly pick them and i would argue against that right one of the things that we saw in apex is that because there's this huge demand for wide receivers that the wide receiver avalanche was just so extreme and i ended up taking running backs that's kind of kind of beside the point the point is that some of these teams that went with four wide receivers and either an elite tight end or more likely an elite qb early and so maybe you're looking at your first running back in round six well i mean it's it's basically like saying okay if the wide receivers were pushed down and you had had a chance instead to take a running back in round three and it was going to be the exact same team it would have just been different rounds that you selected the guys would you have felt comfortable drafting a pure dead zone profile in round three because if you don't then you shouldn't feel comfortable taking it in round five or six it's still a bad play because that guy projects as a starter on your team, right? You're going to be putting a guy you don't want who has a bad profile into your starting lineup. So 
the focus on Josh Jacobs and what he did is very misleading in that a historically that hasn't been what's happened and B I mean, Josh Jacobs did have some elements to his profile that were actually pretty decent. Unlike a lot of the guys who were now going in rounds five, six and seven and B I think that the Raiders were very misleading in terms of how they discussed what the workload was going to be. And in the majority of cases, I mean, you're just going to get more of a committee, which invalidates this thesis of, okay, just take the starter when he drops. If you just want to take the starter when he drops, I mean, there are guys in rounds 11, 12, and 13 who were starters. And take those guys. Not, not, not only at that point were they talking about the other players being more involved than they were, we had the preseason where Josh Jacobs couldn't you know, get involved in the offense at all. So all the signals were not like, and then I think that is something that will be maybe beneficial to us this year is people are talking about you know, who is the next Josh Jacobs. And there may be somebody who does something similar, but historically that is not something that's going to happen every single year. Yeah. And you have a lot of drafters who are leaning into these guys who aren't very, very talented. So that's the <laughs> not, very, not well, again, it, it usually doesn't work, right? I mean, you think about Ezekiel Elliott last year. And once a back is no longer talented, it's a bad play. I mean, you think about Joe Mixon. And one of the big storylines, one of the big narratives in fantasy football over the last week, week and a half, is that Chris Evans has established himself as their pass-catching back and appears to be pushing ahead of Chase Brown, appears to be in a situation where the early lead for Travion Williams has disappeared because Williams hasn't been able to practice. He's not available. And people are trying to figure out how to play that. And they're trying to figure out how to play it from a zero RB perspective. And I'm not necessarily against spending a pick at the end of your draft on Chris Evans, even though I think that there are a lot of risks because he's somebody who wasn't a good college player. And I think that a lot of times people don't want to hear about that when a guy is several years into the NFL. But one of the things that does differentiate Evans and Travion is that Travion was a fantastic college player. And so when those two guys are sitting there on the same team and the team has tried to push Evans into a meaningful role previously and he failed, again, you're getting a little bit of information that you know whatever the you know, vaguely intangible things are here, that he's not able to translate his athleticism into production. And we know that athleticism is strongly correlated with running back success, and it's a big component of what it means to be an NFL running back. But to purely look at that, especially for guys who haven't been successful at previous levels, does a disservice to the traits and the skills that the elite players have. And, and when you're talking about guys who can emerge as starters at the NFL level. You know, obviously those guys have pretty special abilities, even players who emerge as plus pass catching backs. Those players have special abilities in their area. You can't just force it on someone and say, look, this guy is athletic and he's played the running back position. We think he can do this. Now, again, I mean, this could look silly a month from now, but these are the things that we're trying to work through. I mean, the main takeaway from the Chris Evans news is that Joe Mixon is overvalued by five rounds. Five rounds. So be careful if you're looking at Joe Mixon, I guess, would be the point there. But Colin, when we're trying to build our zero running back portfolios, we're really almost looking at it from a three different level perspective. And the candidates list is organized sort of in reverse order of ADP. And we're kind of moving from the guys who were stash options to the guys who have some standalone value and the potential to be meaningful players, even if their committee mates are still there. And then up to the guys who, for whatever reason, look to be either starters or have a clear path to starting and are above average players, right? And, you know, you look at 
the guys available in rounds seven and eight, James Conner, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, Dalvin Cook, Isaiah Pacheco, Khalil Herbert, Antonio Gibson. And sorry to interrupt. I know you mentioned there round seven. It, you, I talked about round six earlier. Where did you define the cutoff point for the zero RBs? So I'm going to start with round seven. And I usually include you know more guys, but I almost feel like it's cheating to say, you know, James Cook and J.K. Dobbins are good zero RB options because they're just flagrantly, obviously good picks. And so that doesn't mean that they couldn't still work out. I mean, J.K. Dobbins can always get hurt. You know, the Bills can always manage to go through like a six or seven game stretch where their running back doesn't score a touchdown. And so, I mean, there are these reasons that the player would be where he is. But in terms of how I evaluate the players, those bullet points are so far down the list of priorities that I'm like, if I lose because of that, I'm okay with it. You've got to take these guys who are plus talents in high scoring offenses. It's just fairly straightforward. You can always lose because of very narrow in the same way that we don't want to be prioritizing guys who have narrow paths to victory. We don't want to look at guys who have narrow paths to defeat and start to magnify those paths in our mind and thinking, well, what if this narrow path to defeat happens? I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to feel silly. People who were emphasizing this narrow path all off season are going to be taking victory laps. That's fine, right? I mean, this it's not a matter of trying to win every single argument or like have every narrow path to defeat not play out. The whole point of fantasy football and the whole point of fantasy sports is that you do have that range of outcomes. Sometimes the narrow paths are going to hit either for you or against you. And if you worry too much about that, you end up being so risk averse that you can't build dynamic teams. When you lose, you just go on, right? So again, I think that picking those guys in round six is cheating. But you, you think about those names, just for me, for the list, obviously, people who are talking about those guys as being good picks, that they're they're accurate, right? But you look at round seven and round eight, those names, I think that just as you kind of hear them and think about them, it's number one, you're thinking, well, a lot of those guys are actually pretty good picks. And then number two, you're thinking, okay, well, I can see how, you know, being a talented starter. And, you know, you think about Herbert, for example. It's like, this is a guy who was at the top of the NFL in rushing yards over expectation last year has great numbers in our advanced stat explorers and is the starter for an offense that looks like it's going to take a step forward who's available in round eight i mean if that isn't a little bit of a cheat code then you know i don't know what would be for fantasy it's like do you want to pay for a guy who is not talented in round six or do you want to take that in round eight and add two more guys in so that's kind of how we would be thinking through some of those elements but Colin when we start from the back the very end of your draft and work forward from the cheapest context or with the cheapest plays we are looking for players who were extremely good in college and also in as many cases as possible have plus athleticism and yet because of circumstances they are more or less free and you could think of you know what would those circumstances be you know maybe you're five pounds too light maybe you had an injury at just the wrong time and weren't able to you know work out or weren't able to be healthy when teams were selecting and then as soon as you fall down in the draft your your cushion the amount of incentive that a team has to make you the guy who works for them becomes a lot less and so now your path is more difficult in some cases it can merely be that the starter is very entrenched and you are in a committee or you are in a battle to be the rb2 so if we're thinking about like how would a guy who was an elite college player and also is a plus athlete how would that person be in rounds 17 through 20 well, if they fell in the draft and the starter is entrenched and because they fell in the draft, they're now in a battle for the number two role, then it's going to be difficult for fantasy managers to make too big of a statement, you know, too bold of a play themselves when they're putting together their own rosters. But 
especially in managed leagues where you can churn these guys at the back, you don't want the player who maybe is the second stringer in some of these offenses. If you're looking at a team that has a solid starter and then they have a solid backup and then they have a talented third stringer, I mean, what is the case for drafting the number two guy? Because number one, he doesn't have immediate standalone value that would move the needle for you. And number two, if the starter goes down, the third stringer who's more talented is going to take a big chunk of his work, if not the majority of the work. And so those would be the guys that we're fading. So we are making talent determinations based on things that matter. And the things that matter in this case would be past production, even if it's at a different level, and plus athleticism. And then if that athleticism does in some way, shape, or form suggest that we might get high value touches, that's another little feather that you can put in there. But that's essentially what we're looking at is which guys could make the move. And then especially if you're looking at situations where the starter appears to be entrenched, but is not particularly talented. And that's one of the interesting things this season. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to single guys out here, but Michael Dudner had a good article about the starter that he's fading. That would certainly be an article to read and a guy to look at. I was kind of shocked that I believe this player went ahead of Dobbins in our main event the other day. I believe his ADP is ahead of Dobbins. That part probably doesn't make a lot of sense because your ceiling is actually not very good. And the floor is essentially zero because the guy can get beaten out by his teammates purely on talent and in the short term, right? So those would be the kind of considerations that we're working through. You know, what teams have a starter where the starter is much more fragile than the projections indicate because and this is not to to in any way take shots at people who do projections the people who do projections from dave cabin who does ours to mike leone who's obviously spectacular mike clay so many guys that i love in the industry do a fantastic job with projections the problem is just that some of these teams make it very very difficult because if the starter is not good but also the backups are very conditional (laughs) You don't even know which guys are going to make the team. It's hard to dole out the playing time in a way that really shows off the risk that, that starter has. But those are the guys that you want to target, right? And one of the players that I've really wanted to target is Cam Akers. And not that I'm completely out on him, but we certainly have plenty of evidence that he could be beaten out by a legitimate threat. We certainly know that in the past there have been moments in time and i think that those moments are past now but moments in time where the team didn't want him anymore which again it can be hard to completely repair those relationships so when you're looking at that and you see a guy like zach evans who was one of the most dynamic runners in college football both at tcu and at old miss and he goes into that backfield and the other backups are also just i mean really not threats to be legitimate nfl players i know they might they might get a little bit of work they might get some touches in a few niche specific game environment situations but they're not real threats to take significant volume from cam Akers. the problem is that zach evans if anything is going to end up on the watch list because he also has these red flags that allowed him to drop so far in the draft and he hasn't done the things that we're looking for right i mean it was so exciting when he landed there but i haven't seen any any indication that he's made a push yet and unless it's very quiet unless it's very quiet and you know as we're recording this it still seems possible that he won't even make the team now one thing that we should mention on that is a lot of these teams are not going to keep a lot of guys and so you could see someone end up on the practice squad and in weeks 15 16 17 be the league winner right so you don't necessarily need to overreact in terms of how you're thinking about a lot of these depth charts simply because one guy's on the active roster and another guy is on the practice squad but certainly the guys who are on the practice squad week one you know they're again they're going to be waiver wire ads in most cases they're not going to be legitimate stash candidates in most leagues so the evans one is one that unfortunately doesn't really appear to be working out, but that would be the situation that we're looking for to target that type of environment. 
One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person, it is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy and theater theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have. Game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and you Use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's very interesting and you know obviously when you're talking about the potential players that would make a list but what I wanted to do today on the show was go more into the actual profiles you mentioned the athletic profiles the past history the potential for them to elevate themselves up the depth chart but then you also mentioned that the players who maybe already have standalone value are them those players who maybe have standalone value who could push the starter to become you know I know you mentioned a minute ago the league winners in week you know 16, 17, but some of these guys will push themselves to be weekly winners all season long. And then obviously that's what you want when it's in a redraft scenario. And when we're doing our best ball drafts as well, we're trying to use these for weekly winners to win your season league to advance in basketball mini and so on. But uh, you know, what's going into picking that particular profile as you move towards the top five of the list then with players who just feel like they're, uh, you know, wrongly priced, I guess we'll say. So Colin, when we look at that kind of second grouping, now we're into the guys where they either have a little bit of an NFL track record or their profile coming into college was so electric. Colin, we get into the second tier here. Now we're getting into the group where we either have some information from that player at the NFL level, which you know points in the same direction of what they did as collegiate players, or we have rookies who coming in are so dynamic relative to price that we are looking at them as being the potential league winners slash future starters. And one of the things that's kind of amusing to me right now as I look through last year's list is that Two of the guys who were super trendy this week in Kenny Gainwell and Chris Evans were on the list last year and 
were both misses. And Gainwell in particular had a lot of interesting notes as both a receiver and a rusher. And I mean, we have so much you know great information that we get to deal with. We have the sports info solutions data uh, powering so many of our different tools. Obviously, the advanced stat explorer gives you all kinds of great stuff throughout the season. But one of the things that I am looking for here would be a guy who has the type of profile where before contact he's electric right not one of these players who and and frankly the guys who tend to be bad before contact and break a lot of tackles and get a lot of touches the nice thing about us fading them is that they're very expensive and so if you want one of these players who gets a lot of work but also is poor before contact and some of it is situational it's not purely on the guy so i don't want to you know give the wrong impression there but those guys who are kind of tapped out in that four to 4.5 yards per carry range, which isn't you know bad in and of itself, those guys are expensive. Whereas we can get some of these guys who have a lot of high value touches and on a per touch basis have both a higher floor and a higher ceiling because their pre-contact ability is A, better, and B, they're often getting the ball against softer fronts. And so you're going to get more yards before contact. And then because of the explosiveness and because of the evasion ability of these guys, the combination of broken tackles and forced missed tackles, you're actually getting dynamic numbers after contact as well. So we're basically looking for all of the elements to the profile where, I mean, we just want to get greedy with it, right? Because if you can get as greedy as possible and select guys who have the potential to be the next wave of stars, that's clearly better than the opposite. And so we grab a guy who is good before contact, who is good after contact, who is good, you know, partly because he's good at the contact point and then has the speed to create some long runs and also has the athleticism to add receiving ability and add those high value receptions. So we can often get the full package together. And if we can get it in a guy who is 220 pounds and is going to potentially get you know, 250 to 300 touches. That's great. Often we're going to get a guy who is maybe 210 pounds or 205 pounds. And maybe the total number of touches is slightly less, but those touches are more valuable. And, you know, this is going to be just more of an asterisk than anything you're really emphasizing too much. But all you have to do is watch the preseason. And all you have to do to think back through all the other injuries to know that every single time a guy touches the ball, he's at risk of getting hurt. If you can score the same number of points with fewer touches, you've got this tiny little advantage that, you know, you don't touch the ball quite as much. And so from that perspective, the profiles of some of these guys in that round, say 11 to 13, 11 to 14 range can be absolutely fantastic. Now, if we can't find every, every single piece, but the pieces that are there are pointing in the same direction and the guy is discounted. You know, one of the players who popped out from last year's list was Tyler Algier. And the really sad thing for him, obviously has been drafted over now, but this is a guy who I think because some of the production happened at the end and maybe some of the fantasy managers who are really counting on him didn't get the points exactly when they needed him that people don't necessarily realize. And I've got to keep reminding myself, right? That Tyler Algier ran for over 1000 yards last season despite often having to play behind Caleb Huntley and did it with one of the best evasion rates in the entire NFL so you think about what he did as a college player and I made the full case for him last year there that production translated directly to the NFL and now the experience that he's had as an NFL player gives you a ton of confidence for what he would do this year and so for me, it's been a little bit tricky because number one, we say this all the time, but we just want to continue to hammer it home. We do not want people to get hurt. And so I don't want Bijan Robinson to get hurt. That would be a nightmare for the NFL. I mean, very selfishly, I've got a ton of Bijan Robinson in Dynasty, and I have drafted him some in best ball and that kind of thing. I, I do think it's a little bit of a thin play, actually, because of how good Algier is. And because you know you think well okay are the Atlanta Falcons going to draft like a generational running back in the top 10 picks and not use him and you're like well I mean they didn't seem in any hurry to get Kyle Pitts or Drake London the ball so and, and again we talk about 
pits in London and their actual target per route numbers are through the roof. And so their argument would probably be like, you know, what did you want for, from us there? It's like, well, we want you to run a real offense that scores points. That would be what we'd like. But, we, you know, you think about these guys and Tyler Algier does have standalone value. He is a player. And this is one of the things that I've, you know, I apologize for people where this isn't the freshest take because I've mentioned this on several podcasts. But Tyler Algier is better than Dalvin Cook. He is infinitely better than Ezekiel Elliott. And so if those guys make a difference for where you're going to take Brees Hall and Ramondre Stevenson, then you should have Bijan Robinson in the fourth round as well. Like that's where he should be if that's the concern that you have. The flip side of that is that if that's the concern you have, I mean, you need to be massively loaded up on Tyler Algier because you're talking about standalone value. And then again, in the worst case scenario where Bijan does get hurt, I mean, Tyler Algier is instantly a top 10 running back. And so we're thinking about talent, we're thinking about standalone value and we're thinking about contingent value where Tyler Algier has so many different ways he can win for you. You're kind of hoping he doesn't win in the way that hurts someone else's career. But again, you've got all of these different boxes checked and it's just almost an auto pick where you're getting him in drafts. Yeah. And there's those players that you mentioned like there's a multiple round discount between him and Dalvin Cook. But I think part of that as well is like, psychological psychologically for people maybe emotionally for people it's a reverse almost what's happening with algier where he was a rookie and then somebody else is coming on top of him and people are probably thinking oh there's a reason they've done that they don't like him blah 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 the other part is the likes of stevenson and hall they're players that we really like we're talking about we're talking about and then these veterans come in behind and they're like there must be a reason why these veterans have come in they mustn't like them hall mustn't be recovered hall mustn't be healthy there must be a reason uh, it must be that Aaron Rodgers wants Dalvin Cook to play and, and Brees Hall not to play. There has to be a conspiracy theory. The realistic reason is because you cannot take 100% of all carries throughout the entire NFL season. They need other bodies in there. But I think that that is part of it. The other part is like the name brand, I guess, or the name recognition of those other players. You know, But yeah, and that was one of the most disappointing things that happened in the entire NFL draft for me this year was that you know, we didn't get Robinson in a different landing spot to allow those two guys to to really push on with their NFL careers. But the other part of it, Sean, is you mentioned there, it, it may be injury-related for him to really push on. And like, I, I can't say I mean, the, the running back one in this offense without an injury to Robinson, but this is the part. As much as we like Robinson and where he you know projects this year, where he's been drafted, he is still somebody that we're interested in having, you know, if there's a player behind him with the talent in this particular case of Tyler Algier, we, you, you have to be drafting him as well. If you're drafting, a, you mentioned the word portfolio earlier, and I think it gets thrown around a little bit when it comes to, to fantasy, but if you're drafting a multitude of teams like we are, it would be a mistake to not have exposure to players like Tyler Algier. Yeah, and so when we look through those rounds, I mean... It's kind of the tricky part too, where I think that two of the most difficult names for me and two names where, you know, I'm really fighting with myself in terms of what I want to do with the zero RB list, because the easiest thing, if you have trendy names, is just to throw them up there. And so you're thinking about Zach Charbonnet, you're thinking about Tank Bigsby, you know, Charbonnet, probably the better prospect by a fairly wide margin, and yet also probably an overvalued prospect. And so, I mean, that element that you mentioned where the most recent move is probably both overstated and a signal of intent at the same time, right? It's like you can be both. Yeah. Right, where, I mean, if Charbonnet is drafted into a situation where the starter in Kenneth Walker has two seasons instead of just one, and he has firmly established himself as one of the top three or four backs in the NFL, which his final season in college and his first season in the NFL would suggest is the case, then Charbonnet would not be this trendy. But when you just have the one season and then you have a guy drafted in right behind, then people are like, well, that shows a very strong <laughs> signal of intent from the drafting team. And so we have to factor that in. A similar thing with Bigsby, where you know people are looking at this from the perspective of, I mean, again, the Jaguars are telling us something here. The issue that you have with both of those guys is not that they couldn't hit, but simply that you get better prices 
on players who are a little bit less trendy, who both are equally as good, if not better, and also are not behind such talented players. It's like, if you're just kind of thinking through this in a vacuum, it's like, do you want the guy who's behind Kenneth Walker? Do you want the guy who's behind Travis Etienne? Because that is a very different dynamic in terms of stealing touches than if you're behind a Cam Akers or behind a Miles Sanders or behind a Joe Mixon or behind a Najee Harris or behind an Alexander Madison. It's very different. And so just because it's very different doesn't mean those guys couldn't hit. I mean, Bigsby has been fantastic in the preseason. A lot of the notes that I've had on his prospect profile suggesting that, you know, he's pretty seriously overrated. I mean, those things are not really showing up right now. And so I think you want to take the most recent information as being valuable. You don't just ignore that, but we want to put the whole thing kind of in context. Charbonnet and Bigsby are actually guys that I do draft with some frequency when they fall below ADP. When we're thinking about the zero RB candidates countdown, I'm mostly talking about guys that I have really high exposure to, and then I might draft ahead of ADP. Yeah, Yeah. so I mean, that part of it is, is interesting, I think. And I'll discuss that more in the articles as they come out. Yeah, I think this has been a really fun topic to go through. We have talked some of the players. We haven't given away the list. We will talk about the list posted coming out, but it will be available up on rotoviz.com. If you're signing up over there, you can use the code RVRADIO2023 at checkout to get yourself a 10% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass. Gets you access to all the content and tools up on rotoviz.com. We also, Sean, as we've been recording this show, I mentioned the main event we will be drafting this friday it did fill we were waiting on one more team to come in we are going to open the email sean to tell us our draft slot live for the friday edition we'll give our instant reactions and we are also going to talk about redraft strategy we're also going to talk a little bit about what we may do in that main event draft so that will be coming out on friday looking forward to recording that one as well but until we are back this has been a breakdown of what goes into making the zero rb list make sure you do not miss out and check it out over on rotaviz.com my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to marlin my co-host as always is sean siegel and one final plug make sure you enter the contest drop a written and review on your favorite podcast app for rotaviz overtime and stealing bananas and until we are back have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>